floor is yours. Okay, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Shannon. I'm a compulsive overeater and a food addict. And I'm nervous. <laughs> so I'm going to just take a breath and take it one second at a time here. Um, I was very surprised by Vicki asking me to do this because uh, I'm still really new to the program. But, um, you know, I guess that is okay. And I'm hopefully going to say something today that will be helpful to someone. Um, you know, I, I sort of questioned her, you know, do you think I'm qualified? And, <laughs> um, you know, I sort of realized after that, that I guess the only real qualifications are I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm trying to work the secular 12 steps. And so um, that's, that's what I'm going to talk about today. Um, I'm, I will be honest, I'm not used to being nervous during any kind of speaking. I do a lot of public speaking for my work. Um, I have for many years and I usually can just talk to any crowd about anything. Um, but this is a lot different for me. And I think the reason that I agreed was because it made me so uncomfortable. Um, and I knew that I need that. That's something that I've been working on and trying to learn how to do better um, is to be vulnerable and let other people know that I'm vulnerable. And this made me feel really vulnerable. <laughs> so, um, so hopefully, uh, like I said, it will, it'll actually have some level of coherence. I've tried to organize my, you know, some, some thoughts. And so forgive me if I look down occasionally at my paper just to keep track of where I'm at. Um, and then I've also just, so you know, set a timer for myself at 10 minutes and then I'll, I'll reset that again. But maybe Vicki, if you could give me like a two minute warning when we're really close to 20 minutes. Thank you. Um, so, all right. So I, you know, figure as, as I have listened to so many of you say things that have been incredibly helpful to me, I, I, I felt like you, most of you started with your story. So that's kind of what I'll do. And, um, when I think about it, and I've been obviously thinking about it a lot for these last just under three months that I've been in the program about my story and my story with food and my food compulsions, um, I realize that I've always had a very strange relationship with food. Strange, I guess, as in not typical or what I suppose we all perceive as typical is probably more accurate. Um, when I was very, very young. I have strong memories of not liking a lot of foods, um, but beyond not liking them, I felt like they hurt me or they scared me. Um, I, when, As an adult, many, many years later, I learned the term super taster. I don't know if any of you are a super taster, familiar with that term, um, but it there are some people who have extraordinarily strong taste buds. And in particular, the bitter taste buds are very strong. And uh, I can't eat or drink anything bitter without not understanding how it's even edible for most people. And uh, so as a child, anytime I would have to put something like that in my mouth, it actually, you know, was scary and, and hurtful to me. And of course, unfortunately, a lot of vegetables are bitter <laughs> and a lot of fruits are sour and those were the worst tastes for me. Um, so I got really used to saying I wasn't hungry or I wanted to avoid what was being eaten. Um, you know, whether it was at, you know, a friend's house or a 
family member's house. Obviously, my mother knew what I was doing, but, you know, I felt like I could sort of get away with it with other people that weren't, you know, my my closest relations. Um, but in doing that, of course, I would then go hungry because I was hungry. I was just afraid of whatever this new thing was or this thing that I already knew what it was. And I didn't want to eat that because I knew it would, like I said, in my child vocabulary hurt me. Uh, and so I got used to waiting till later and sneaking food so that I could, you know, not be hungry from having pretended I wasn't hungry earlier. And that became really normal until it was sort of all the time. And then I would sneak the foods that I thought were for me, the safe foods, which as it turns out in my, you know, what tastes good to me are salty things and sweet things. Um, and so the more I did that, of course, the more that was what I, what I thought was good food for me. And the more I learned to eat in secret. And I knew that it wasn't a good thing. I knew that I wasn't, or what I would have thought then was a good thing. I knew that I wasn't um, doing what everyone else was doing. Uh, but I tried to sort of cover it up with other things. I was always, you know, very talkative and um, sort of bright and sunny as a child. And so, you know, I might not be eating the same thing as everyone at dinner, but I tried to be the life of the party or, you know, I wanted to still be a part of things. And I wanted people to be pleased um, with me, but I, but I knew that the way I was eating was not like everyone else. Um, I also knew that the way I was eating, that my eating habits, and I heard that term so many times as a child, your eating habits. I knew that my eating habits were a concern for people who loved me and a disappointment. And I wasn't used to or good at being a disappointment in most areas, um, but food was an area that I knew I was disappointing people. Um, and like I said, that wasn't normal for me because what probably predates my understanding of my strange relationship with food or my consciousness of, of my strange relationship with food is that perfectionism is something that I don't, I have no living memory of not having that ideology. Um, it's my original sin. It's always been there. I don't have a memory of a time when I didn't think it was my job to be good at things and to have accomplishments and achievements. Um, I, you know, I, I was bright as a child. I don't remember, for example, learning to read or learning to do arithmetic. I don't have memories of those things because I learned them before I, you know, before I was two or three years old. And so it was always something that was an expectation of others and therefore an expectation for myself. And I knew that in my eating, I was not living up to that. And so I, it just made me want to cover it up more. It made me want to make it even more secret and keep it to myself and try to behave normally as much as possible in front of other people. I can remember, you know, things where my mother would make dinners or we would go to family dinners and I would try to have some sort of subset of whatever the other people were eating, right? So if other people were eating, you know, um, 
a, a steak, then I would want a hamburger or something, right? Something that was sort of similar so I could sort of be like everybody else, um, but not have whatever that thing was that I didn't like and I was afraid of. And, you know, my mother, who is a genuinely lovely person, I'm very lucky that I have a really, really good and supportive mother. She did her best to um, try to keep me healthy, but also not make me too afraid and scared and sad about the way I was eating. Um, but so, you know, all through, basically all through my childhood and in, you know, my teen years, I had what, you know, you would call a normal or healthy average body weight. I mean, there were certainly times in my childhood where it ebbed and flowed. I'd be a little chubbier, but never, um, you know, never what I would have thought of as I'm the fattest girl or anything like that. Um, you know, just pretty average. Um, but that's because around high school is when I started figuring out how to binge and restrict. And, you know, I was older, I had more time on my hands, I had my own job. And in fact, my first um, real job, like in a mall, was at a Russell Stover's candy store. And um, my my manager there, um, who was also my aunt, who is this great lady and this cool influence in my life, um, you know, she was she was very sanguine about the fact that, you know, we could eat candy from like the bulk candy, it, it, you know, in moderation. You're, you're allowed to have some samples. Um, and, it, you know, just obviously don't be, you know, don't go overboard. Um, but there were nights when I was working alone in the mall and I was the only person in the store and I would just sit there with my hand in the gummy worms and I would just eat them and just eat them and eat them. Um, and nobody was there. And so I could do it. But then the next day, I knew that I should probably not eat all day today. Because yesterday, I ate a whole container of gummy worms. <laughs> and so I got really used to like, oh, this is great. Good for you for figuring out this very cool, ingenious strategy of being able to not gain too much weight by just being like, oh, I'll just eat this, you know, I'll eat a bag of, of Doritos tonight. And then I just won't eat again for like the next 20 hours and that's going to work perfectly for me. Um, of course it doesn't work perfectly <laughs> for me emotionally or, um, certainly physically. Um, so by the time I was in college again, you know, so I went into college with, you know, again, average normal body weight. Um, but for me, the freshman 15, which yeah, I gained because you're alone, you're in a dorm, you get to eat whatever you want. you got, you know, you're, your food, um, you're buying it totally for yourself for the first time. Um, but for me, the freshman 15 turned eventually into the junior 50. And then by the time I was uh, about 21, 22 years old, I was 100 pounds overweight or over the weight that I'd started out college with, certainly. And, and at that point, is when I really started to understand that I was using food as a way to avoid or recover from stress or avoid or recover from things that I felt bad about. Um, But at that point, I also would say it's about then that I started really having the magical thinking, I guess is what I think of it as it relates to my, my weight where one day I'm going to lose all the weight and then, you know, list of 
thousands of things in my life that will be perfect, right? There it is again, perfect, right? When I am a size six again, then I'm going to not be dating this, you know, annoying and sort of mean guy. Instead, I'm going to be dating like the perfect guy that's wonderful to me. And then I'm going to be able to, um, you know, get the best job. And I'm going to, all these things are going to happen once I lose the weight. That's when perfect will start. But then, you know, you lose a little bit of weight and things are not perfect. And so that's a good reason to eat again. And, you know, therefore the cycle continues. <laughs> um, so the first time I lost a lot of weight was a couple years out of college. And so I, I, you know, it was like, this is it. Eureka, I have found the answer. I, you know, I became a vegetarian, which I still am. And that's something that I'm actually serious about. Um, but I really changed my eating habits. And I decided now I found the answer. And I learned that I could enjoy exercise. And I really, you know, went to the, of course, as many of us have done, the no fat, right? Like you're almost eating no fat. Carbs are fine. This was still, you know, we're still in the mid nineties here. So carbs are still okay. Um, <laughs> and so I was eating those things, but, you know, with very little fat and a lot of exercise and I lost that hundred pounds. And so by the time I was in my early, you know, to mid twenties, you know, now I was like, okay, look at me. I look great. I'm, you know, things are, things are going to be perfect. Eureka. Hallelujah. I've, I've stumbled upon the answer and I'll never go back to that. And they were great. Things were great until they weren't. And so when life happens and life happens all the time and it, you know, kicks your ass sometimes, then for me, the, the best thing to do was to retreat into eating because eating is where I told myself it's okay to not be perfect. And it's not just okay to not be perfect. It's how you get to avoid having to be perfect. And if you're not trying to be perfect, then you can't fail at being perfect. And so that, of course, you know, went on and, and cycled on until the next time that I found the answer. Eureka. Um, and this has happened a couple of times. There, you know, as, as I know, a lot of you have experienced, there have been many times where I've gained and lost 20 pounds or 30 pounds or, or more. And there have been a couple of times, that one in particular, and another time that was relatively recently within the last few years where I have lost, you know, in, in, a, in or around, you know, 90 or 100 pounds. And, you know, when I think about it now, I have gained and lost enough weight to make up a couple or three average size people over the course of my life. Um, and every time was going to be the last time, the time that sticks. And, you know, then I, you know, in, in the, it was about three years ago, I lost 85 pounds. And I was like, great, I feel great. Things are going great. 
I, you know, I'm seeing somebody who I, I really love and, um, you know, I'm feeling healthy and my work is, is going well. And my work has always been a, a real good source for me of something I cared about. That's the, that's the area that I still try to, you know, I have to manage that notion of perfectionism um, and the compulsive um, need drive to be perfect. But it's also something that, that I've always enjoyed. Um, and so things were going well. And then they weren't. And I had a couple of really major losses of, um, excuse me, people who are really important to me. And I was already in that spiraling stage when COVID happened. And then, you know, we're all isolated and I eat in secret. And now I'm always alone because it's COVID. And so I should probably be eating right now was kind of how it all laid out for me. And it sort of happens before you know it, you're in it before you realize it. You know, you're, you're, you are elbow deep into that bag of chips before you say to yourself, you know, maybe this is not what you should have for dinner tonight, but well, I'm halfway in and, you know, I don't want to stop because you know, I should probably finish this. I do like crossing things off of lists. And so I should probably finish this bag. <laughs> um, and it just, you know, keeps happening in that cycle. And so um, the beginning of this calendar year is when I really, you know, understood that I was out of control. Um, I had, you know, of that 85, 90 pounds that I had lost in 2018, um, by the start of this year, I had gained back 50 of those. And I knew that I couldn't look for another weight loss diet strategy because I've tried them all. I've fasted, I've counted points, I've counted carbs, I've done carbs, I've um, avoided fat, I've done fat without carbs. <laughs> you know, I've done all of those things. Um, and Shannon, and so that's I just, a- I, Two minutes left. Thanks. Uh-huh. So, so that's the point where I realized, like, I need something else. And you know, I heard about OA, and I thought about it in the past, and then I, you know, I finally decided I'm really going to look for this, and I'm really going to to see if it's something that would work for me. And so, I started attending the these meetings, the Wednesday um, and Saturday meetings of, of Secular OA in February, and I created a food plan and, you know, I put a list of things on there with the things that I knew I needed to avoid because those were really trigger foods for me. Gateway foods. I always think of them. Um, and as my avatar for that is Pepsi. And some of you heard me share, I always say, you know, Pepsi is my, the thing that's like the symbol of all the other bad foods. Um, today's my 81st day of being abstinent. Um, and you know, not drinking Pepsi. (laughs) And I'm trying to learn that I need to, I was an English teacher once upon a time, and I need to be living in the present tense. I have not given up Pepsi and all the other chips and ice creams that come with it. Um, I've not, I've not stopped them because, you know, trying to say I'm never going to do something again has, you know, makes me want to get a Pepsi right now. Um, so I'm trying to, to, to live that present tense. I'm realizing that for me, recovery means discovery. 
and I need to discover things about myself. I need to peel those layers away and I need to recover in the present tense. It's ongoing, um, but it'll never be crossed off a list. (laughs) Um, But I do feel like it's making a difference. I feel like I've sort of understood that for me, once I get to the point of being able to describe the vocabulary for what I think my steps are is when I've really incorporated that as one of my values. And so Vicki said, you know, talk about how you've worked the secular 12 steps. And so the simple answer is I work the, t- the 12 steps in a secular way because that's the only way I can. I'm an atheist. I'm unapologetic about it. I don't have a higher power. I reject that term. But I come to understand or am learning to understand in this process that spirituality is whatever I need it to be. That these steps can only exist in reality in my life if I make them what I need them to be and what and make them into values for me, not just things to cross off a list, but really values that I can learn to live by. And um, so I, I, I'm in step three, or I rather I would say I just you know have have learned to incorporate step three. I feel like that's where I'm at, and I, I just feel really quickly before we end. I will tell you what I have rewritten or relearned these steps to be for me. And once I, like I said, once I accepted these, I, once I had the vocabulary to say what they were, that's when I felt like I had, you know, gotten there. Step one, I am powerless over my compulsion to overeat and binge dangerous foods. Because of this powerlessness, I became an addict. Because of my addiction, my life had become unmanageable. Shannon, step two, I have come to believe that philosophical resources and connectedness with others, especially other sufferers, can provide me tools, support, and willingness to honestly face my emotions and seek restoration and recovery. And my step three, I made a decision to be open to hopefulness without pretense, connectedness with others, while taking deliberate action to change my life. So that's where I'm at right now, but I haven't crossed any of those things off the list because I don't know what will happen next. They're all just values that I'm trying to live by. Um, But so for now, at least, I am trying to recover in the present tense, not the future perfect tense, in the present tense. Um, And for right now, at least, I'm not drinking Pepsi. (laughs) Um, So with that, I pass. Thank you all.